see your smiling faces. Just want to invite everyone to stand worship with us.
give him an offering this morning?
grace that he has given us. The most important thing, he gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. third day he rose he's alive sing this with me amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me how once was lost
shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be Good morning. Good to see all of you here today. Shane said we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 20 in just a moment and uh, going through 21 and 22. We're not going to have time today to hit everything in all these verses, so uh, I would encourage you as you go home today to take your Bibles and, and look at the verses that we're going to miss today, reread that, and look at what God is doing as we see in the last a few chapters of Revelation. Today we do come to the conclusion of the series of messages that we've been in over the past several weeks looking at end time events. The question is, is this the end? Or where are we at in end times? And through this series we've looked at the next events that we believe are going to take place on God's prophetic calendar. We looked at the rapture of the church and different beliefs on the rapture of the church and we discussed why we believe that the rapture of the church could very well be the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. After that, we looked at the uh, seven-year 
tribulation that will begin after the rapture of the church when the Antichrist takes uh, his place in this world. And we saw how terrible of a time that that is going to be uh, during that seven years. And then we looked at what is taking place in heaven during that seven-year tribulation here on the earth. And after that, we looked at the second coming of Christ, where Christ literally comes back to this earth and he puts an end to the seven-year tribulation. And at that time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Last week, we looked at the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. When Satan is bound for a thousand years, but then he is set loose for a season before he finally faces his fiery doom for all of eternity. And today we're going to take a look at some events that happen after that millennial reign, after Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Now, there's a lot of things that we're going to cover, so I hope that you're ready. If you're a note taker, get your pad and pencil out and get ready to take some, some notes as we discuss these things today. How many of you hate it, like I do, when somebody comes up to you and says, I've got good news and I've got bad news? Anybody else hate that? I mean, it's like, what are you going to do with that? And then they always say, which one do you want first, right? What is your response when they say that? Do you want the good news or the bad news? What do you say first? Hey, most of you are bad. The early service wanted the good news first. I, they're different, but that's okay. I, I'm the same way. I want the bad news first. And the reason that I want the bad news first is because while I'm hearing that bad news, I know that there's something good that is to come, right? You know that this may be bad, but at least there's some good news that's going to follow this. Well, that's the way this message is today. I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. As a matter of fact, I've got some terrible news, and I've got some great news. So what do you want first? The bad news. All right, so that's where we're going to start today is the bad news that we see in Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 11 in just a moment. The first event that we're going to look at today is the event known as the Great White Throne Judgment. Now, I want to remind you that a couple of weeks ago when we looked at what is taking place in heaven while the tribulation time is taking place on the earth, we looked at two events. The first one was the judgment seat of Christ. The second one was the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now remember, the judgment seat of Christ, this is a judgment for believers. Those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and they will be around this judgment seat of Christ, where all of their works will be shown for what they were. And the good works will last, but the bad works, those things that we did with wrong motives or just things that we did while we were following Christ that uh, were not right, uh, how many of you know that we still sin sometimes after we have become a believer. All of us do. And so those things are going to be looked at, and the bad will be burned up, but the good is what will last. And that's what prepares the bride of Christ for that great celebration time, the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is what gets the bride clean and white and ready to be presented to the bridegroom in that great celebration that we looked at at that time. But the judgment that we're looking at today is completely different than the judgment we saw at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ prepares us for a great celebration. 
And oh, what a celebration that is going to be when we are joined with Christ for all of eternity. But this judgment is completely different because this judgment is not for believers, but this judgment is for the non-believers, those who have rejected Christ as their Lord and Savior, those who have failed to place their faith and trust in him. And that is the judgment that we're going to get a picture of in the verses we're going to read in Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11. And this is the bad news of the day. So let's look uh, at these verses together. Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11, he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These verses, I believe, are the most serious verses that we find in Scripture. This is the final judgment that we see in the Bible. The great white throne judgment. This is the final word of God that towards those who have rejected him, those who have said, I can do life on my own. I don't need you in my life. This is the final word of God towards them. This is their judgment time that they will experience. Those that have decided to say no to God with their lips, with their rejection of him, and with their rejection of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Their lies, their disobedience, all of those things will come to light on this day. They will be judged for the way that they live their life. They will give an account for their lives on this day. Now, there's a couple things that I want us to see in this passage this morning. The first thing is this. Notice that this is a grand setting. It's a grand setting. What do I mean by that? It was a grand setting because everyone who had ever lived, everyone who had ever died in all the nations of the world, from the beginning of time to the time that this event takes place, all those that have lived and rejected Christ as their Lord and Savior are at this event. There's a grand number of people that are gathered around this throne. There will be numerous people that will be standing there that day. And notice what kind of throne this is. He says, it is a white throne. Now that is important for us to understand. White stands for purity. White, shining and bright. White glowing, white that speaks of the holiness of God. And it is a throne upon which the one who is in charge, the judge, the moderator, the ruler, the king, the Lord, this is where he will sit in front of all these people who have spent their lives denying him and rejecting him as their Lord and Savior. This great white throne where he will sit in perfect judgment on that day. And he sets with such glory and such majesty that the scripture here tells us that 
the heaven and the earth flew away. It fled away. Such majesty that earth and the heaven that we see around earth could not even be in the presence of Almighty God on this day. And it fled. What a grand event that this was going to be. The great white throne. This is the throne that's different than any other throne that is mentioned in Scripture. It is a throne that we see of God's majesty as judgment comes again to those who have rejected him. And I want us to see the purpose of this throne. And the purpose of this throne is to judge the dead. In verse 12, he says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now I'm going to mention this again and I'm going to mention it several times as we continue on because this is very important. I don't want anybody to miss this. Who are the dead that he's talking about? The dead is anyone who refuses to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Anyone who refuses to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the dead that he's talking about. Anyone who says, I can do life on my own. Or anyone who says, maybe someday... I'll get there and I'll be ready to follow Christ, but that someday never comes. Anybody who has not received Christ as their Lord and Savior, that is the dead that he's talking about. And I love the phrase here in verse 12 where he says, the dead, the small, and great. What is the scripture saying to us? He's saying that there'll be the small and the great that are there. And I believe that this is a picture of the ones that we would call great sinners, if you would. You know who the great sinners are? Don't look at the person next to you. You know the, the great sinners that are out there that we look at the horrible things that they're doing and we're thinking, man, why would God allow that? Why doesn't God do something? Uh, look at the lives that they're messing up. Look at all the terrible things that they're doing. Well, I got great news for you. One day God is doing something. And they will stand before his throne and they will give an account for every terrible thing that they ever did here on this earth. They will stand before God in judgment one day. But it's not just the great sinners that will be there. It is also the small sinners that will be there. Not small in size, but those that, you know, maybe their sins aren't as great as other sins. Maybe it's that person who, uh, you know, lived their life thinking that, I'm a good person, and they are a good person, and they do a lot of good deeds here on earth, and they take care of a lot of people, and they do all these things thinking that somehow, some way, that's going to earn them a spot in heaven. But the reality is, and the Bible teaches us, that it's not by works. It's only by grace, through Jesus Christ, that we are saved. So even the small those that do great things, and I don't minimize the great things that people do, but that will never earn anybody a place in heaven. So it'll be the great and the small that will be before this throne one day. They will all be there. What a grand throne that this will be. And I want you to see that this judgment is to show the unbeliever why he is condemned. Notice what is going to happen around this throne. He says that there's going to be books that are opened. Now, we don't have a whole lot of information about these books that are open, but I believe that these books that are open are going to be all the evidence that is needed to show someone 
why they will not make it to heaven and why they will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. These books that are open, and, and you can imagine the things that are written. I don't know about you, but I know in my life, if everything that I've ever done was written down and that book was opened and somebody began to read the things that I've done, it would be pretty embarrassing. It would be pretty sad at some times. And this book is going to be opened. And the Almighty Judge is going to be standing there as these things are pointed out that this is why you are condemned. These are the things that have condemned you. But then there's a final book that's going to be opened. And it is the book of life. And that book of life is open to show that their name was never written in the Lamb's book of life. How's a person's name written in that Lamb's book of life? It's by receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. The day you come to Christ and you make him the Lord and Savior of your life, your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, never to be blotted out. It will always be there. But these that are before the throne are noticing that their name never was written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's at that moment they hear the terrible words that nobody ever wants to hear. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And they will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but to me, that is very, very bad news. As a matter of fact, that's not just bad news. That is horrible news today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... That news right there ought to make you run to the cross to open up your heart and say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. For those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that ought to break our hearts because there's going to be people that we know, that we were close to, people that we've had relationships with in different ways that are going to be standing before this throne one day. What are we doing so that they can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that this is not where they end up before this throne on that day? This is horrible news. But listen, there is good news. The good news is that we don't have to participate in this event. The good news is that if our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we won't be there. And the way we avoid this is making sure that we know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of our life. That's good news. And I got more good news that is to come. If you would look over in verse 21, I want you to see what is going to take place for the believers. What is happening next for the believers? And we're going to see some good news. We're going to see that our final inheritance is yet to come. Notice what he says beginning in verse 1 of chapter 21. He says, now I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. 
There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We see here that our final inheritance is yet to come. Now, we don't have time today to break down the entire chapter, but again, I encourage you to go and read it because he gives a description of what this new heaven is going to look like, the new Jerusalem that is coming down. He gives a description the best way he can of what it's going to look like. But this old world that we live in one day is going to pass away. This old world that we live in one day will pass away and there will be a new creation that he points out in verse 1. This new creation is described as a new heaven and a new earth. This is totally new. It's not a renovated earth and a renovated heaven. It's a brand new earth and a brand new heaven. Now, why does that need to uh, happen? You know, there's a lot of nice places here on this earth. You know, when God created this world, he did a great job. Would you agree? He did a great job. There's some beautiful places that you go. You go and look at God's uh, handiwork, and you just stand back in amazement so many times at going, wow. Matter of fact, yesterday my, my brother was in town. We were at my parents' house, and he pulled up on their television some places that he wants to travel to one day. And these were just beautiful pictures of beautiful places all around the world that we were sitting there in amazement going, man, that is beautiful. That is a wonderful place. And so, you know, you think about that, the beautiful places here. Why does all that need to be burned up? Why does that need to be destroyed? Why does that need to happen? Well, here's why. The curse that fell upon mankind fell upon the earth. Sin, which has affected or infected every human, has also infected every part of our universe. The earth is cursed. That is why we have tornadoes. That is why we have hurricanes and earthquakes and all kinds of other things that are going on in this earth. The earth is cursed and therefore the earth will be destroyed one day and God will give us a new earth. That is why Peter said in 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This earth and the heavens, meaning uh, the area around the earth, the atmosphere around the earth uh, are going to burn up. They're going to be destroyed. They will no longer be and they will be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there's very little stated about the new heaven and the new earth, uh, but there's a couple things that I want to point out. First of all, 
there will be no more separation in this new heaven and new earth. Notice what he says, the last part of verse 1. He says, also there was no more sea. Now many believe that sea here represents separation, which makes sense. Because there's sea in between the continents that separate one continent from another. The sea that is out there. And keep in mind that when John sees this vision, he is on the uh, island of Patmos where all he sees is sea around him. He doesn't see anything other but that. He sees the separation that is around him. The separation of his uh, family, of his church, the separation of his friends, the separation of everything that was dear to him. In this new heaven and new earth, there will be no more separation. There will be no more sea. Now, this is great news for us today to know that someday there will be a day when there's no more separation. No more separation because of race. No more separation because of political affiliation. No more separation because of family strife that's been separating families for years. No more separation because we just don't get along or don't like each other. One day in heaven, all that separation will be gone and we will live in unity with one another for all of eternity. But there will also be no more hurt. Look what he says in verse 4. He addressed what the early Christians were going through. There shall be no more death in heaven. Many of them were dying because of persecution. They were losing family members on every hand. Many were in sorrow. Many had lost their homes. There was great persecution that was going on. There was crying. There was tears. There was great pain. And he's giving a picture here that in heaven, all of that's going to be gone. There will be no more hurt, no more pain. These things that human beings experience every day. The things that keep us uh, from living a perfect and free life here on this earth, the unpleasantness, all that will be gone. There will be no more hurt, no more pain, no more sorrow in that place. And he goes on to say that God himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. Now as a parent, I understand this a little better than I used to. Because as a parent, you know how it is sometimes when your kids come come in and they're crying. Tears are running down their eyes. They've been hurt or somebody has hurt them. Something has gone on and you feel compassion for them and you reach out and you either grab a, a Kleenex or you grab a towel or a lot of times you just take your hand and you wipe that tear from their eye as you comfort them to let them know everything is okay. And that is a beautiful picture of what we're getting in heaven one day. We're God, who knows every hurt we've ever had, who knows every pain that we've ever gone through, who knows everything about our life, one day will wipe away every one of those tears with his hand and say there's no more hurt. There's no more pain because all those things have passed away. Everything is new and it'll be that way for eternity. Then notice also that there's also no more thirst. No more thirst. Look at verse 6, the last part of verse 6. He says, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. You know, Jesus told us about this in, 
in John chapter 4 when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. The woman came to the well to get some water and Jesus met her there. And Jesus looked at her and he said, this water that you're drinking here, you will thirst even afterwards. But if you take of the water that I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. That is the living water. That is the water that he is talking about in this passage. The water that is freely given. The water that will go on and on. Will never run dry. It is the living water that is freely given to us. And he says that he who overcomes will inherit all of these things. Who are the ones that overcome? These are the ones who have surrendered their lives to Christ. Who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. These are the ones who overcome. And again, there's just so much more that we can unpack in these verses. But for the sake of time, we, we can't. So please, go home and read and look at what happens. I want you to jump over real quick because we're going to move now from good news. And by the way, that's pretty good news right there, isn't it? I, isn't it good news? said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. If we were in church, there'd be some shouting because that's some real good news right there. But I got better news. It gets even better than this. Can you handle it? You ready for the even better? All right, so look at Revelation 21, we're going, or 22, and we're going to look at the, la, or the first part of verse 7. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, Behold... I'm coming soon. Man, I wish we were in church today. <laughs> Behold, I'm coming soon. Listen, we looked at some good news. This is the great news. Behold, I'm coming soon. Jesus' words that he is coming soon, but it gets even better. Look over at verse 12. He says, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, Jesus says this twice, right here together. This must mean it's important for us to get. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and not only am I coming quickly, but I'm bringing my reward with me. Look at verse 13. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever lo loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Folks, this is excellent news. He gives an invitation. He says, let whoever wants to come. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, 
Anyone who would believe in him and come to him and place their faith and trust in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Excellent news today. The invitation is there for anyone who would come. He says to come and freely receive. That means it's a gift. And it's ready for all who would just say, yes, Lord, I receive. Yes, Lord, I want you in my life. Yes, Lord, come in and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Yes, Lord, I come and I receive. Thank you for saving me. Listen, Jesus is coming soon. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but we know the season that we're in, and Jesus is coming soon. And we have a wonderful promise of a wonderful inheritance to look forward to when he comes. Whoever desires can come and take part of the water of life. There was a little girl who had been listening to her mother and her grandmother talk. And they were talking that Jesus is coming soon. The mother noticed that the little girl had disappeared. And so she went to look for her. And she found the little girl in her room. She'd gone and she had taken a bath. She'd cleaned herself all up. She'd put on the nicest dress that she had. And she was standing there looking out the window. And the mother said, what are you doing? She said, well, I heard y'all talking that Jesus was coming and it could be today, so I got myself all cleaned up, and I'm ready and watching because I want to be the first to see him. So, are you looking for the return of Christ? Are you watching, and have you prepared yourself for when he comes? I got great news that goes on top of the excellent news. You don't have to go and take a shower and clean yourself up. You can come to him today just as you are. And he will receive you unto himself. Excellent news for all who will receive. The invitation is to come. Are you ready today? Have you given your life to Christ? If not, then may I ask you, would you do that today? Would you let the day, today be the day of salvation for you? For those of us that have known Christ, some of us for a long time, let this be an encouragement to us today. And what will we do with what we know and what we heard? Will we go out and share it and be the light of Christ in the world so that others may be drawn to him? Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I want you to spend just a moment and examine your life today. And I want to ask you this very important question. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Have you made him the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you come to that point where you have said, yes, Lord, and you have come to him? Today, if you've done that, we celebrate with you. But today, if you would say no to that question, then today, will you make him the Lord and Savior 
of your life, right where you're at, would you open up your heart to him and just say, yes, Lord, I come to you today. The best way that I know how, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you in my life. And today, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Will you invite him in today and allow him to have control? Father, I thank you for your word today. And God, I pray that your word would touch our hearts. God, I do pray for each person that's here. God, if they're not in a right relationship with you, God, that you would point that out. Your spirit would work and draw them unto yourself. And that today, they would accept your invitation to come. Father, I pray again that this would be an encouragement to all of us that know you as we look forward to this inheritance that is to come. And what a great day that is going to be. And we look forward to that day and we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that you gave us your one and only son. Thank you for this wonderful news today. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.